0: It's untitled film project podcast time. Sorry, I'll never do that again. <laughs> Welcome. We're talking about Knock at the Cabin, M Night Shyamalan's latest movie. M Night Shyamalan who's had a career that has really been pretty roller coaster. Starts off with one of the most incredible movies of all time. His latest Knock at the Cabin is what we're talking about today. A girl and her parents vacation in the wilderness at a secluded cabin and things are going great. <laughs> until that knock at the cabin would four strangers show up. We were called and are united by a common vision which has now become a command
1: that we cannot ignore. The four of us are here to prevent the apocalypse. Knock at the cabin first takes. Let's start with Jeremy Gover. First of all, I would like to apologize to my crewmates here, because even though it was my fault, it was actually the car renter's fault. I had rented a car, and the short version is uh, we had this all planned out. We're going to record it a certain day. It was right after Knock at the Cabin came out, and we were going to pounce on it, and it would have been to you guys two weeks ago. But instead, I had a car rental for work. I went and drove down to Atlanta. The car would not start once I got back in the car from my work trip. And I had to then go exchange the car at the Atlanta airport, which if you've ever been to the Atlanta airport, you know, is a complete hassle and a half. <laughs> and uh, it put me two hours behind schedule, and therefore we could not record. So we're you're getting this late, and I want to like to apologize to everyone who has seen Knock at the Cabin and has been waiting for us to review this movie. All three a, of you. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's all three or not. It's you you to blame gover. I still apologize. For you had your own horror movie. You I had did. To, it was a knock at the check engine light. <laughs> Okay, so the, the, my notes are as follows for this one: they use the old school Universal logo to open up, and so I thought they were going to incorporate that somehow, and they didn't. Okay, I didn't notice that. It's just a stylistic. I don't know. I was like, okay. okay, great, but they didn't like blend it into an old cart you know, old cartoon or an old show. Just like, oh, all right, old school Universal <laughs> logo,
2: great. The tinfoil hat's already on. It is. Yeah, but well, no, we're gonna,
1: like M Night Shyamalan's career, which Jim just mentioned. We're going to go roller coaster here. The yeah. next thing is positive. It wasted no time. They jumped right in. It was a matter of what, two minutes before oh, here we go. Yeah. I mean it was it's it, on. Yeah. It was not like a setup and we're gonna we're gonna get some b roll of the family drive into the cabin and having a great time. No. Yeah. It's a girl collecting crickets. And ish gets real. Yep. It's yeah, it it is. It wastes zero time getting off the ground, which I absolutely love. I really enjoyed Dave Bautista's performance. I thought it showed range in his, because if you think about other, stuff, you know, him was Drax, and like, you know he's done a couple other things like that, yeah. Knives Out, right? But it's all the same kind of character, at least that I'm thinking of, which is a, a big brooding guy, kind of dumb, but also kind of, you know, he's kind of mediocre, intelligence. Looks, looks like a re- professional wrestler. Yeah, he's just kind of like, okay. But in this, he shows acting range. He's got that quivering lip, but it's not overacted he he wants to connect with the family and i believe it it's pretty outstanding considering again visually you're reminded constantly that it's dave batista this is a monster of a man with tattoos all over him but they still got me to believe that he really was leonard and i thought that was mm-hmm. outstanding so i again he wants to be an actor going forward like you know like not superhero not taken seriously and he one great step towards that, for sure, for me. I loved how the eight-year-old girl had a line mentioning she didn't like how her overzealous counselor always brought up her two dads. <laughs> and I don't mean that as like a representative <laughs> like a representation way, although that certainly checks that box. Sure. What I mean is, it made me, even though I you know I don't care right what anybody does with their life, that's not my business. <laughs> but it gave me a different perspective because it wasn't a pushy line. It was just an observation from an eight-year-old. Like, I don't like it when she... Br-. She constantly brings it up and makes think she doesn't appro- approve that I have two dads. Right. And I was like, holy crap. Some people think that they're doing the right thing by, by constantly bringing it up. Overcompensating. Yes. And I yeah. thought that... I was like, that's interesting. So it made me think. And that was like five minutes into the film. That was like right out the gate. And I was like, all right, I'm already invested because the dialogue's got me. Last thing I'll say, I want to know... From the listeners, if you went and saw this film in your area and you're not in Nashville, I want to know if it was regional because it's something they could do with a digital film. They could put a regional thing in there. There's, there's no talking head on the camera, mm-hmm. but in the newscast, they say, what? what I do you know where
2: you're going with it. Okay. okay. I like this. Right, I was like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm interested. No, no. I have no idea where you're going. I was, like, going. Am I, oh, oh, I was okay. like, am I falling off the deep no, end no, like, You're no, over no, there no. chuckling I'm, laughing. I'm glad you're bringing
1: this up. Okay. In the newscast, it says outside Nashville in Tennessee. Yes. Now, we are in Nashville, Tennessee, where we saw the film, and there's no talking head on camera saying that. They could easily give a version of the film to Des Moines, Iowa that says outside Des Moines in Iowa Yeah. for
2: that one line go over when that happened my entire theater just oh wow. <laughs> just a groan as soon as that happened I was like yeah, oh, was just funny. perfect is <laughs> because the man was like how's the audience going to react and immediately oh but i remember <laughs> scribbling
1: that the second i heard it i was like i wonder if that's regional Seriously, i'm going to doubt that i think we would have heard about it if that was the case it's city <laughs> <laughs> it, it, honestly it may, they may have picked it just because it's in the middle of the country and it's a big city you know sure. it, it,
0: it, they may have done that and in those newscasts they mention several all, all kinds of places around Correct. the world right because so we never
2: expect to hear nashville we just still we are programmed to not expect to hear nashville we're expected to hear chicago new york washington dc la yes. san francisco C- sure whatever yeah. stuff like that yeah. right so, so I, i'm just wondering yeah. if
1: you're in baltimore if you're said in the middle of baltimore yeah. Or near Baltimore, I want to know. Good point. Did yeah. yours say that or not? Nashville, t- outside of Tennessee. Maybe I'm way off the mark, and I'm way overthinking it. <laughs> but I remember thinking, like, if, if there was a, if there, if the newscaster was on screen when she said it, I mm-hmm. wouldn't even have thought
2: that. If there were any other director, I'd be like, no. But but I could totally see with, them just like put, here's just a package it, for yep. this market, this plug market, it in this, line this market, line
1: and you put, go here,
2: plug right. in the line, and goes no, here.
1: Because think about yep. that. You could do that. Think about that. If you're in Boise, Idaho, and you hear outside <laughs> Boise in Idaho. That hits you on a different level. It it does. Then it, it, if it's it, in Miami or some, some other place, when you're thinking about the film and it, what it's discussing, yes. it holds more weight. Yes, for sure. It yes, and, so, and and again, it's a way. It's potentially genius. Yeah. If it's true, but it all again, I could also be way overthinking. <laughs> <laughs> Did they tailor
0: it to their audience? Uh, very interesting. If that's the case, I'll be very surprised. Yeah. But
1: uh, I would. Yeah, I want to know that. I will. I here and now. We'll get to our grades later, and I'll say what my grade is, and that's our, or my score. Excuse me, I'll get to my score later, and we'll you know we'll talk scores and all that. But I'm here to tell you that if that was intentional, and it is regional, if Des Moines got Des Moines, and Tulsa got Tulsa, and outside Oklahoma, and right, if the, if these are all regional, Albuquerque got, if that really happened, I am saying it here and now, clarifying, I will jump an entire point, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because it's that okay. amazing of an idea. <laughs> bradford
0: <laughs>
2: your initial takes a knock at the cabin dave batista i appreciate him more as an actor and what he's accomplishing because he was believable in his character he's a big brooding dude but in the way he's able to show emotion with his facial expressions his micro expressions yes. as well too it was believable Ooh. that he was a a teacher and a coach because as soon as you say coach you're like oh okay so, he's probably a former athlete or something like that in his younger days, but he's turned into a teacher. He is emotional. You could tell there's a connection. I really appreciate that. And I'm glad Gover brought that up because it brings me back to when we were talking about Black Adam in terms of casting with The Rock. If The Rock were in this role, there's no way. There's no way he would have believed it because I don't think he has the acting chops to pull off this role. Agreed. Dave Bautista is showing that he has acting chops in this to be able to pull this off and make me believe that. So, I don't think. Dwayne Johnson, while I love so many of his movies, they're very entertaining. I don't think he has the acting chops to pull off this type of role. And I say that because when we discussed Black Adam, that was the one, the the big problem I had was the rock in his movie Yeah, (laughs) for that. But Dave Bautista, I believed him so much in that he had empathy in his character. He's trying to connect because he felt like they had this really difficult decision to make, even though his counterparts didn't necessarily feel the same, especially Rupert Grince redmond didn't (laughs) feel the same. I believe Dave Bautista in his role. And I really like that because we're seeing more of him. I mean, his glass onion role was still more what we've seen from Dave Bautista, right? Mm Mm-hmm. His other roles where he's done like the family action type of thing, still that type of Vin Diesel ish type of role, like the Tooth Fairy or whatever. Yeah. No, no, that's The Rock or the the Pacifier. That was Vin Diesel. This one was a true acting role. That it wasn't about action. It wasn't about being a grunt or anything like that. He had a role to play, so I really did appreciate that. I wish we had had a little more Rupert Grant. It's really good to see him active uh, as well. <laughs> and I was curious as soon as he appeared on screen, like what kind of accent are we going to get from Rupert Grant? Is it going to be American? Is it going to be British? It was Massachusetts. It was Boston is what yeah. we got out of him. It was working uh, class. Yes, it was. And overall thoughts of this movie is as, as I'm watching it, it's obviously what M. Night Shyamalan is wanting you to do is question so many things of is it real, is it not real? When they're bringing up the timing of the newscast, they they could have known this. This has been a story for a while. I knew this. And also the differences between the two parents, between Eric and Andrew as well. And how they see the world and their worldview. One, it was Jonathan Groff. I still cannot see him as not the king. <laughs> king George <laughs> from King George from Hamilton uh, to me. But what I appreciate about this is, as Gover mentioned, how it jumped right in, is they kind of explained the characters with flashbacks. I really admire that. And I like that because we're getting tidbits of story as the story's progressing. So the story's mm-hmm. still moving along while throwing in tidbits of the past to not make you feel like it's coming to an abrupt halt. Or that you had to over-explain in the beginning to get to where you're at. Because they're not long either. They're not long. They're like 30 seconds, 40 seconds, a minute at most. Vignettes. Yeah. yeah. So I really liked it because it was enough, though, to get an idea of these characters. To build why Andrew felt this way of why they were being targeted and attacked. Why they felt this way with family. Why they felt so many different ways. Why they felt like they could be targeted even though they necessarily weren't targeted. They were just the people at the cabin. And the four horsemen were told to go to that cabin. But those flashbacks also serve to introduce doubt to the audience. Yes. Yeah. Which one 100%. is it? Hundred percent. Right. So that's why that's why I liked about that. That's what I liked about the, those little segments was that it's introducing doubt, it's building the characters, but it's moving the story and progressing. Because then the next thing happens, and you can see Eric and Andrew reacting differently in so many right. different ways, and, and then how and you know why, characters and you know why they're doing that. Then you get to. Well, I'm surprised to go over to bring this up when I like, guess an actress, I thought she did a pretty I, fantastic job.
0: I was really waiting. For, like when I saw this movie, I go, I wonder if, I wonder if Jeremy is, is going to just destroy this kid as an actor. Cause he hates child actors.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a reputation of hating child actors. That is true. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, she, as of right now, she's on my music city film critics association, best child actress, best child actor. Right.
2: She's, it was, she was great. Small cast overall, when you really do think about it. There are you know bits and pieces here of other ones from the TV part, but I liked seeing the small cast. Yeah. Because the interaction between them was great. But when they shoot, um, shoot during COVID, you're going to get a small cast. Yes, of course. But I think it played in this movie's favor. It no, did. for
1: sure. I'm just saying, yeah, like, did. You know, it, 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 it kind
2: of helped. What got me, too, is our rating, but I'm glad they didn't just directly show an axe going into someone or anything like that. It provided more of a, to me, when you hear it. Yeah. When the four horsemen are having to off each other that it flashes away to something else and it actually provides a little bit more of a who oh, that had to be pretty gruesome because it's right in front of the th- the three family members as well so it yeah. actually provided more to me than actually seeing it I think that's why well, that's what I do like is when you can pull that off and get the gruesomeness without actually having to show it yeah but you understand it so I, I appreciate that factor from a directing point of view the the end though is what got me is because everyone, is waiting for the Shyamalan twist.
0: Ah, well. And, can, can I take it from there? Yes, I was because,
2: waiting for it. So, Jim,
0: uh, because that—that that is one of one of the things I really loved about this movie. Is I think everybody goes into an M nine Shyamalan movie expecting where's the twist? Ooh, there's going to be a twist. I certainly did. Everything uh, everybody so, yeah. so did I, and I really loved the fact that it was not that kind of a movie. The twist was the doubt you had as a viewer, and that some of the characters had, whether these four people that show up at the cabin with this, you know, gruesome choice they're going to make them, you know, have to make, are these people uh, psychopaths? Are they just mistaken? And there is no apocalypse that's going to happen? Or are they real? And what they're doing is like, the right thing to do, this horrible choice that they make, this family make, I think, you know, as opposed to having a twist, it was, I, I don't know what what the real reality is. <laughs> and, and, of course, the family doesn't either. I think uh, Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge played their separate characters really well. I think they voiced a lot of the audience's concerns and doubts. I was sitting there saying things in my head, about like, well, I don't know, what if that, what if that newscast about uh, something terrible happening in the world was faked and they're just sh- feeding it to the cabin? And then a second later, one of the characters is voicing that very concern and it gets answered, or at least mostly answered, right? Still leaving you with some doubt. I think Dave Bautista, I love his career arc and the choices he's making. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I think like I've done with, I made the mistake with so many other actors from, you know, uh, The Rock, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a movie star, but I have this other past, you know, that doesn't really necessarily relate to making films. And then, you know, uh, he says he's not going to be Drax anymore uh, after a certain point on Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm like, oh, gee, what's he going to do? Knives Out was just a little bit out of his Drax character. He wasn't playing dumb. He was really just kind of playing, I think, a certain segment of loud America. And when he made Leonard come to life in this film of a guy who understands children, loves children. That's the reason he's there doing this terrible thing. He loves children. I believed him 100%. I believed I could walk into his classroom and it would totally make sense. So Credit to Dave Bautista, who I think has been nudging us in the right direction and then just nailed it on this one. I really think he was the standout. Uh, I think he really gave us uh, the believability needed to make you wonder, for most of the movie, what's really going on here? And I think if I had figured out what was really going on in that movie any earlier than I did, and we'll get to that— uh, I don't think I would have enjoyed it. Okay, so I have a question for you guys as a group. This movie does, you know, play with your head. Whatever these four people are saying, is it going to happen? Is it real? Are they just out of their minds? And this is crazy? You really don't know till a certain point. And I've talked to a lot of people... Where was the point of the movie? And here's where we're going to get into spoilers, really. At what point did you realize what the reality truly was? What tipped you off where you go all of a sudden, yep, absolutely. This is an actual apocalypse
2: that's going to happen. And it's not a bunch of crazy people showing up. When things started burning around them, when it wasn't on TV anymore. Seeing on TV, there's still that fourth wall. But as soon as like a crash happens or things go up in flames, fire rains down from the sky and you can see it, I think that's the moment there. And it took that long to get to that point because on TV, anything could be pre-recorded, could be faked. What if they're feeding something in there? Somebody else could have control Mm -hmm. of, of everything there. But when you see with your own eyes, there's only so much that can be controlled that that was the tipping point, for me at least.
1: Jeremy? For me, it's when Leonard took his own life on the porch and when he was doing it, the plane fell out of the sky behind him over the left shoulder of the character. That was the same for me. That was the, that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is really happening. Right. You know, I,
0: I was leaning toward, this is probably real when I saw, you know, all the, all the lightning strikes around the cabin and the Mm -hmm. fires and everything. I mean, but when it became, this is definitely a real apocalypse was seeing that plane fall out of the sky near the cabin, not on TV. And so our, tripping points, I think, are the same. They are. We saw I, you just described in more detail. <laughs> we saw them in real life, yeah. as opposed to just hearing about them from words of the characters, or seeing it on a TV screen, which mm-hmm. could be faked. You know, yep. we're in the world of deep fakes, right? So, yeah, that was, uh, that was the point where I go, wow,
2: okay, this is really happening. When we're seeing the characters, Eric and Andrew as well, too, did we all know who was going to be the one to sacrifice themselves? I thought
0: Jonathan Groff had played Eric well enough to be the hero is, is uh, and that for the most part, as I was
2: watching. he was clear movie, of mind finally. Yeah, that yeah. he
0: was, he was clear of mind and it wasn't a concussion. And like he, he knew that this, this had to be done and I'm the type of guy to do it, which makes him a lot like Leonard. You know, if uh, it, these are people who don't want to do any of the things they have to do,
2: mm-hmm. but feel they must for the greater good. And that it took that moment too, like what you said, seeing the plane crash as he's cutting, as Dave Bautista's character cutting his throat, for Andrew to realize that this is going to have to happen yeah, as well too, because it didn't take long for the trigger to be pulled. No. Once the decision was made, they knew they had to do it quickly too. Uh, why relish in it?
1: Right, <laughs> you know? I mean, just...
0: Yeah, exactly. It's only going to get worse. You better do it now. Right. We only have a few... I mean, and that, they made that very clear.
2: We only have this much time you you this is your last chance and and jonathan the part that got a little more emotional too and made it more real was jonathan groff's monologue basically and discussing the future that he sees yeah for when and andrew and their future Mm -hmm. as well too that he is of clear mind which was also a flash forward flash forward yeah he's of clear mind which means he can make that decision his mind is made up and that also helps andrew feel more comfortable In helping him with that decision to make the come to fruition as well, because he hears him talk about how clear of mind he is in the future that he sees. I found it very interesting uh, talking to somebody who had read the
0: book, and I didn't know this was based on a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, quite different. It it has a very different ending, a much darker ending in the book. I don't want to give it out, uh, but if you thought this had a difficult dark ending, oh, (laughs) the book
2: way, way worse. It it almost made me want, not the book part, but after they went to the diner and see all this stuff happening, I almost wanted a little bit more of an epilogue. Yeah, there was. Just a little bit. Even like a flash forward five years later or something, I don't know, just to close it up, even though that's not an M. Night Shyamalan thing, to do those types of things, I kind of wanted to see it of like, well, let's see where the world's at five years after this happened, like five years, like with the blip. Like, what's, What happened with the world? Yeah. We just, got, we just got them driving off in the truck. Yeah. Should yeah. we get the
1: scores then? Let's do it.
0: So uh, I really enjoyed this movie. M. Night Shyamalan can do great stuff, and he can do absolute garbage, I think. Uh, <laughs> and I think everybody can agree on that, depending on which movies you can quibble about that. Uh, I think this was a very good M. Night Shyamalan movie. I truly was in doubt as to what the reality was until the point we talked about just briefly David Bautista I, I just really enjoyed his character and his what he brought to that uh, it made it feel real Eric and Andrew the parents and and when the daughter it felt real to me and I wasn't after a bit I realized I don't think I'm going to get a twist and I loved it for that I loved it that I just had to figure it out along with the characters. And, you know, it, and I just thought this was really well done. Uh, I'm going to give it uh, a seven. And uh, it's a movie that I don't know if I'll watch again, because now I know, the inf- I know what's going to happen. But I really enjoyed that, that suspense thriller part of this movie. So
1: <laughs> if there's an apocalypse happening when planes are falling out of the air and tsunamis are wiping out the entire west coast are you going to be like you know what i could go for right now a pastrami on rye <laughs> that diner was packed what the hell who's going to a diner when that all that stuff is happening
2: well maybe they were already there cuz things were happening pretty quickly
1: i think they
0: they they i think they were just dining and started seeing stuff on the tv and just couldn't
1: couldn't leave but did this not happen over hours they even said Go get some rest, get some good a
2: good night's sleep. We'll we'll go again tomorrow. That was the first thing. That was the one thing, and then everything else happened the same well, day. I, just yeah. a few hours.
1: As an audience goer, all I can think about during that diner scene was like, I, I get it. You're around people. Like I, I need you, just, you sure. need to see other humanity. But that place is like sold out. <laughs> And if <laughs> crap's going down, I'm not being like, you know what? Waffle House sounds amazing. Right? That is not going to hey, happen. But if the
2: Waffle House is open, that means it's okay. Well, well that's, actually, yeah, that that's true. Maybe that's, that's a bad example. Sorry. That's, that's just science. A good that's
1: that's, that's, that's a good facts, you know? Uh, if, uh, if, <laughs> this is a much more important point than that one, but that would still bother me. If that dad was supposed to be the spiritual one while the other one was supposed to be the agnostic, uh, atheist one, yeah. I didn't get that at all. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but, uh, uh, you can pray and I won't judge you. That's a throwaway line to me. It's, it speaks to that. It speaks to the fact that he's a believer. You're not right. Okay. It speaks to that, but it doesn't color in the picture. And if I'm supposed to believe that the spiritual one brings the other guy home, brings his, his boyfriend, I guess at the time home to meet his parents and the dad is just there, and he's clearly not happy with the arrangement and his mom right. tries to cover and when they kind of leave after 15 minutes, they drove seven hours, whatever they said, right. right? Is that, that's not necessarily a Christian thing. That is a old white guy who just doesn't understand how sure. his son, who he thought was going to marry this person, is woman, and they're going to have this family together. All, it just, that image of that, your whole life, is derailed. That's all that means. It doesn't mean that Oh, he's a Christian, and he they believe it doesn't mean any of that to me. So, like, I understand it can, but it doesn't automatically mean that. Right. So, to me, I had a real hard time with that. I had a real hard time with it. Like, oh, so okay, so he's a spiritual one. It took me to the whole movie to figure that out, to figure out that this was the role that they were playing. So again, I could have missed something. So it's
2: it's almost like the Pedro Pascal skit on SNL where he plays the Latin mom. <laughs> <laughs> and all, all all i had to do was say well she's a believer. Oh. <laughs> That's it. That's all it took. The believability there. Like it's not like they met at
1: a church or that he was a, maybe a priest and clearly wearing mm-hmm. like it wasn't it wasn't a overtly religious scenario. It was just right. a married couple meeting their son's significant other he didn't approve and they left real quick. That doesn't mean Christianity to me at all or mm-hmm. or, or or spiritual. It doesn't mean belie- it, all it means is just that that's an older guy. Who doesn't understand. Maybe he's just trying to yeah. establish
2: another hurdle. They've had to overcome. No,
1: no, sure. But I'm saying, if the point of it was this guy's spiritual, this guy's not, and that's part of the that's part of the picture. I didn't get that from that. It wasn't overt enough. I guess is what I'm saying. Okay,
0: I, I, knowing people who have gone through that, uh, who have a strong Christian background, and but then when it comes to the point of acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, somebody can't get past that. Uh, I've seen that play out in real life a bunch of times, but that doesn't mean that there's still not a strong Christian foundation. It's just that, that one person, it falls apart when it comes to this issue or that issue.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that that's yeah. not real. I'm simply saying that if, that if I was supposed to gather that this guy's spiritual, this guy's not. If I was supposed to, he's from a spiritual upbringing, I'll put it that way, okay. and this guy is not. If I'm supposed to gather that from that scene, that flashback scene, that's not
2: I guess I didn't even.
1: Yeah, I, they're, they're not parallel. It I don't think I, I got that.
0: I, I really, I think I saw that as uh, Justin said that that was just another hurdle they
1: had to get through uh, to get to the point where they are now this family. And that is exactly how I took it. I'm yeah. simply saying that in retrospect, at the end of the film, when he's giving the monologue, like yeah, you know, like I saw something in the light, you know in the mirror and like you know all like all these spiritual things. Sure he he's understanding that there's the four horsemen. Like he, he has a vague understanding of that, and they've come to. The, Like that, the apocalypse is really, that all, it seemed like I should have, like they should have established those two personality traits. I don't know. Again, I I could have missed something for sure, but I I just thought that was very loose and I didn't care for that. I might've missed something also on this, but I'd love to open this up for discussion to a point because I know we're giving scores here, but I never got an answer as to why that couple was chosen or why that cabin, whoever would be there. You're not supposed to get that. Yeah. I don't, but that's that's real loose to me, You're too. wanting
2: too much from a movie like this, I think.
1: Yeah. I, I really think... Well, it's based on, it has to be them. They say it over right. and over again. It has to be you. Because, you have to choose. Because the four horsemen
2: were told at that cabin, whoever is at that cabin, it has to be them. They have to make the choice. Right. Okay. And I, it just came to a, in a vision. Yeah. yeah. A shared vision. Like, in this kind of movie, I, f- I think you're wanting too much. Expecting too much explanation. Very possible. And like I said, I, 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 maybe I'm I, over... You know, like, I, I accepted the answer that they gave, is what I did, because okay. then it's not as important. And I hate to even say this, but it's not that deep, even though it is that deep, because it's that deep of a movie. I, I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I, don't, I know what
1: you're saying. No, you're right. Yeah, you,
0: I, you're, I think you're just expected to buy into it. Like, yeah, they, they, they've seen the visions, they're believers, and, you know, they were just told to come do this. Because okay.
2: even the couple, the Eric and Andrew don't understand, and they're still con- tr- trying to understand, so you, being that perspective of Eric and Andrew, because you still don't know... It's like you're asking along with him. You still don't, don't get enough of it. But I think that's okay. It is okay for 80% of the movie
1: until the climax when you're trying to, when you you're supposed to get answers. So I, I, I was just like, well, why, I got, you know, why? And I didn't understand why. And then the last thing is I left. Well, second last thing. I left the theater feeling unfulfilled, not relieved, not sad, just indifferent. And I think that Ooh. works against the movie. And then my last thing is M. Night Shyamalan is hit or miss for me. Six cents hit, obviously. Lady in the Water, miss. Unbreakable, hit. Signs, miss. The Village, hit. Knock at the cabin, miss. I give it a 4.5. Hmm, I like
0: signs. I like signs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 4.5, that's a, that's a much lower score
2: uh, than you've given in a while. Well, I mean, and Jim even said it, it is hit or miss. We all know that. I think every single person knows that. And it's hit or miss depending on the person. Yes, how it they does interpret hit. A film. Yeah, it so, hits and misses everyone So obviously it did not hit with Gover for those reasons. And I understand that because I can't argue with that because everyone interprets an M. Night Shyamalan movie differently. Indifference is, uh, that's rough because that is
0: certainly something that no filmmaker wants. I mean, I think, they w- right. I think Shyamalan would rather have you hate his movie. Than be indifferent uh, then be indifferent the
1: only character that i was i left feeling sorry for of will come as no surprise is wen yeah because she lost one of her parents she had witness all this and she, right and she had to go through it all mm-hmm. that's the only person everything else i'm like okay i don't know why, i don't know so, why i care because you didn't give me a why
2: but even mm-hmm. then as they're flashing three different things as they discover things in the truck yeah that's also becoming the reality of how each of the four horsemen were telling some truths Except for Redmond, who was true. Andrew didn't yes. nail around in the head there too, but he was trying to change that's what they showed as well. Yeah. That's why he changed his name. But how Adrian did have a son. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, stuff like that. It's like trying to save her son. How Sabrina, you could tell, definitely was a nurse. She cared about, she cared. She cared about saving so lives. Yeah. All those little things like that too, and, and that's made it more real. And it, I'm, I'm glad we had some time after this film because I don't think I could have formed a good opinion on it if we recorded the day of or the day after. Mm-hmm. These are the types of films that take some time to digest, to you think about, a to read as well, and to mm-hmm. really think about these characters and think about so many different things. So I appreciated the non-twist in this as well. What bumps the score up for me is Dave Bautista's acting. Yep. His ability there. Uh, and the non-twist actually bumps it up for me because I was wondering what the twist would be. That's always the thing, right? Mm-hmm. As we discussed, it's always the thing. What's the twist? What's what's going to happen here? Or how are they going to twist this? Once we got so deep in this movie and going, what are they going to do? Is it a movie set? Is it something like they've already done that? Like right. the, not having the twist to make this being the real apocalypse. That's a twist enough. Yeah. Right there. So I actually came in, in my mind, with a lower score than what I'm actually going to give it, because the discussion helped me understand more about the film and actually have my own thoughts come to more fruition after we discuss this as well, too. Wow, we're not just entertainment, we're educational. <laughs> when you say it like that, you're going to the bottom shelf. <laughs> so I came in here, and I was expecting to give it a six. After further discussion... And reevaluating what I thought about the movie, especially Dave Bautista, and having more discussions about the twist or the non-twist on it, I'm giving it a 7. Upon further review, it gets a Mm 7. I have
0: one last question to ask you about this, guys. Did you feel, or do you feel now that I bring it up, that it is possible that Wen and her surviving father become two of the next four horsemen? And eventually have to take on the role that Leonard and the gang had to do in this movie at some point in the future. Why you got to be like that? I'm writing the next movie. Why and got... if anybody does that, they owe me a check.
1: <laughs> tap at the cabin. tap <laughs> tapa, tap tap, a, tap,
0: a, tap a. That sounds like the don't even say the it. bad <laughs> channels at the I hotel don't, room don't version of this movie.
2: <laughs> Gover's going to cut that. I might leave it in, actually. Oh, please,
0: please don't cut it. Don't cut it! (laughs) We heard about it at the beginning. Jeremy, tell us again, what's the big question you have for this episode?
1: Jim, thanks for asking. I I don't
0: know where that came from.
1: (laughs) The four characters who descend upon the cabin are the symbols, of course, of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which, if you think about all four of those people, it kind of represents the different types of people in the world. Yeah. Kind of. Right. Like, you're like, okay, this person's usually angry. They may not be like, okay, like Rupert, but you know what I'm saying, right? Sure. This person's sympathetic. This person's help. You know. So with that in mind, it's a reach. I know. With that in mind, the big question is, what character that you've seen on the silver screen do you most relate to? Again, I know it's a reach, but that's just, that's how I, that was my- Oh, does it have to be
2: silver screen? It does have to be silver screen. Did you the, pick a TV
1: show? Yeah, I picked the TV character. All right, we'll let Bradford pick a TV
2: show. Oh, I thought, actually, I, like, I thought of which
0: which character from this movie did you have to? Remember? Oh no, Oh. So we have three completely different perspectives. Okay, here. well, Uh-oh. well, this is kind of interesting. So let's let's uh, <laughs> should are, I start to buy you guys some time? No, no, I, okay, we roll with it. All right, I, I, I'm going to give you the answer that I thought was the question. So okay. why don't May you uh, why don't you start with uh, the the way
1: you gave the question? Okay. What's the character you most identify with? So in the movie Can't Hardly Wait. Oh boy. Preston Myers is who I most is who I most identified with while watching the film. While watching the film, not now, okay. I'm forty five years old. When I when watching the film in the late nineties, it was me to a T. Okay. Now I have not seen the movie. Okay. So tell me why that character is like you. He's an everyday dude, nothing special, not popular, not a nerd, just a guy who's just everyone kind of knows but no one really knows right yeah and he wants the popular girl he wants to be in a relationship with her he wants to offer her more than what she's always offered which is sexual advances and just you know eye candy right all that right he wants to give her a deep relationship of like i want to get to know who you are i care more about you as a person as opposed to just your looks all those kinds of things and that was me growing up I always mm-hmm. tended to gravitate towards the kind of girl next door slash popular girl, but I never thought about just narrow minded, one sided relationships. I always wanted to I always
2: cared about the person on a deep level. Preston and, didn't. Yes, he did. He never tried to get to know her. <laughs> he just fell in love with her without even knowing who she was. Preston right. Preston Murray is a terrible, he's a terrible person. What are you trying to say, He's dude? He's a terrible dude. I'm trying
1: to say that you. I think you better reevaluate. Well, I'm saying at the time, in the late 90s, this is who I identified with. I so thought, in the
2: 90s, you just wanted the hot popular girl? No. He no. just explain he The character, didn't. dude. The character. I know. I'm <laughs> saying the I, character just wanted the hot I popular girl. I saw myself
1: girl. as Preston, an everyday dude, not overly good looking, but certainly not a dog did you either.
2: Take, did you also take your best friend for granted?
1: I'm sure there were times. Yeah, I'm not going to say I didn't. <laughs> But I'm right. sure Matty felt taken for granted at certain times. Yes, I would not, I would not, that would not shock me. But he was also a wingman. You try to call like, dibs just on just her? Just like uh, Lauren Ambrose's character is. What okay.
2: You try to call dibs on her?
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's clear this is going nowhere. The point is, is that saying, in the late like 90s, <laughs> right out of high school, I see this movie about high school love and graduating seniors, and I think, this is me. Preston is me. He All wants right. a deeper relationship, no matter what Bradford says, with this girl. <laughs> and he's going to give her something else other than what she's used to. That was me. Justin Bradford. This went
0: a completely different how direction did you, uh, than I thought it was going to go. How did you interpret the question and then answer <laughs> how you interpreted it?
2: So I just went with overall character, and I chose a character from... Borat. <laughs> 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 i'm sorry go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> i chose a character from the smaller screen of uh, the television the telly as the they tv say. the telly. will <laughs> yes <laughs> if jim could get his clicker as they called it in his day and uh-huh. we can change the channel to the west wing okay and sam seaborn
1: mm.
2: which rob lowe's character in the west wing idealist tries to see the best in people loyal to a fault is very disappointed people disappoint him in terms of the loyalty and the idealism as well too okay. overall just especially those first four seasons a very good person who doesn't always win necessarily but still tries his best all the time um and is there for the people that and trust him and tries to do his best all the time those are the i know i'm you dive so much deeper into sam seaborn but as a character but in But those general. are the qualities that you felt you shared with him. Those are the qualities I felt I shared with him as well too and always trying to be the person that doesn't want to be involved in a situation of battling and fighting. I think there was one episode with China and Taiwan where he's trying to help de-escalate those situations. I hate conflict as a person so he try to tries to de-escalate quite often as well and there, there's so many characters character elements of him that I feel like I can identify with. Alright, so
0: I answered this question <laughs> apparently very differently from everybody else because I thought it had to do with Knock at the Cabin. So I had to pick from one of those limited characters. And it, this was a very tough one for me because I was going back and forth between Jonathan Groff's character and Dave Bautista's character, Leonard. And I settled on Leonard. Interesting. This was a very tough choice for me. I made this question very hard on myself because I didn't get it. And it wasn't even the right translation. I didn't get it. That makes it even better. Yeah. Uh, So why did I pick Leonard, uh, who is the leader of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse uh, and has to do these horrible things? I sensed the kindness and gentility of that man before he got those visions. Right? Of what he lived out in his life, taking care of children, uh, being a mentor, and all that kind of stuff. And then, even after he gets the visions that he's, you know, got to do this terrible thing and make other people do this horrible decision at the cabin, he's doing it one for the greater good. And, you know, I I try to think that I'm doing for the greater good. And he did it out of a sense of duty. And I think that's a big. Quality that I have to a fault is I have a sense of duty. If a job's not getting done, I guess I've got to be the one that's got to do it. Mm. And that I felt was Leonard at, in Knock at the Cabin. So I choose Leonard. People can contact us uh, through any social media out there, even the ones that haven't been invented yet. Just look for <laughs> Untitled Film Project Podcast. No pressure.
2: He's now. I got to go create some new accounts.
1: Bradford stays on top of all this stuff.
2: Jeez, there's going to be something called like Gropel. (laughs) I'm going to have to make an account.
1: That was
0: a hell of an improvisation right there. Holy crap! Sign me up for Gropel. That's
2: that's G R A U umlaut P E L L. Umlaut. Umlaut. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Special characters.
1: Oh (laughs) man. And the E is a three at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks
0: for hanging out with us. I don't know why you did. Uh, I am uh, Jim Chandler, along with Justin Bradford and Jeremy K. Gover. This is the Untitled Film Project podcast. Cue the guitar guy.
1: Oom um, lout. <laughs>
2: Take that down. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project Podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.